Hi everyone, and welcome to the Fourth and Inches podcast. Um, this week's um show is a bit all over the place um due to the the host of our podcast um network going down, so it affected us across the whole platform. Uh, Suk had a bit of a nightmare uh, with the the college guys and obviously with Roger, um so we've decided to do this show in three sections, um just so we can get a show out to use guys and obviously there'll be no audio issues so i thank you so much for your patience and i'll hand you straight over to sukdeep welcome to the fourth and inches podcast with your hosts stuart love sukdeep puni and ryan edwardson Hello everyone, uh, this is Suk and we're here under very, very strange circumstances. Um, what we were hoping today to do was to give you a, um, you know, the usual podcast in relation to the Week 11 games uh, between Stuart, myself and Ryan um, and also a bit of a Thanksgiving special, unfortunately, due to some technical issues which uh, I understand has been affecting the whole podcast world when it comes to uh, anyone who's using um, you know the said app which I I won't go into further detail about because I don't want to get into trouble but um, I'm going to be talking about some of the uh, games that I was assigned to um, for this week Um, so some very interesting games obviously in the NFL this week Um, quite happy with the games I was given this week to be honest I can't complain because you know Sometimes you get some really dodgy games and you just think, well, what have I done to deserve this? But um, there are some decent games. Um, so I'm going to run by them one by one for you, as I'm sure the other guys are doing. I'm not sh- quite sure what format they're using, if I'm being honest, but I'm just going to literally talk um, and, and go through each game one by one. Um, obviously, it's going to be a bit different this week because, number one, I can't take the mickey out of Stewart and his Steelers, um, you know, always banging on about them isn't he so um that's at least one positive thing about the this podcast is i don't have to hear any of that shit um but speaking of that you know let's let's talk about the eagles and the browns um apologies to any of uh, the fans of those franchises but you know at the minute obviously you know particularly from an eagles standpoint things aren't looking too positive uh so the eagles now um after the 22 17 defeat um by the browns are now three six and one um still leading the division mind but it's on a knife edge at the minute uh the browns now move up to seven and three but looking at this particular game it wasn't the most sort of entertaining game by any stretch of the imagination i mean you know it's there wasn't there was nothing literally going on in the first quarter uh both offenses are still clearly struggling um you know to get anywhere um you know if you, if you look at obviously the box score uh you know 
Baker Mayfield literally only threw the ball for 22 times. And when you look at how many times the Browns uh, rushed the ball, a total of 40 times, that just tells you everything in terms of who's leading the offense at the minute. It is very much now um, you know, an offense led by their running game. And in particular, since Nick Chubb has come back from his injury, you know, he's, he's looked great. He looked great in the Texans game. And he was fantastic in this particular game as well, with 20 carries for 114 yards. Kareem Hunt as well. He didn't have one of his better games this week, but he's also been on there, you know, in, in, in terms of consistency. And he's really coming back as being, you know, that kind of running back that we looked at when he was at the Chiefs, you know, really regarded as a, a high-caliber running back. He's obviously not at that level, but at the same time, you know, he, he's doing enough, uh, you know, for that offense. So um, this this was obviously based on, uh, you know, the running game especially. And, and more importantly, from a Browns perspective, it was their defense, you know, despite not having uh, Miles Garrett in there. I mean, I dread to think what would happen with Miles Garrett did play in this game because as we know with Carson Wentz, um, you know, one thing that has happened with him is he, he tends to get sacked a lot and this game was no different. Um, sacked five occasions this week, you know, which... Like I said, if Miles Garrett's in there, you know, scary to think how many he would have. Um, Olivier Vernon, three sacks in the game. Absolutely fantastic, um, you know, performance by him as well. Um, they also, you know, Carson Wentz turned the ball over two times as well, which is another thing that, you know, he's, you know, suffered from this season. He, he's literally regressed so much into, you know, the quarterback that we, you know, previously, you know, enjoyed watching now it's completely different you know he's got 14 touchdowns in the season I think he's got around 11 interceptions you know that's to be honest sorry he's had 14 interceptions wow I mean that's just that's just a terrible ratio isn't it you know uh, for a franchise like the Eagles they need to be doing better and I'm honestly I'm really surprised that Jalen Hurts hasn't had that opportunity now on this field but you know, maybe his time will come later on in the season, but obviously at the minute they're still believing Carson Wentz. Um, in terms of the gameplay, as I say, the first quarter, nothing really going on in the first quarter whatsoever. Uh, the game then did sort of um, get a bit better in the second quarter there. Um, you know, we had the uh, interception, like we talked about, uh, which was uh, intercepted by Sione. Tacky, tacky, I think I've said his name correctly for a 50-yard return. Um, that gave the Browns uh, a 7 nothing lead going into the half. Um, in the third quarter, I'd say Carson Wentz, in terms of, you know, receivers he is finding, it's more his tight ends. So, obviously, you know, Dallas got a, and obviously Richard Rodgers, um, I'm pretty sure was at Green Bay last year. I, I recall him and Aaron Rodgers, I'm, I'm certain I remember that. Correct me if I'm wrong, folks, but... Um, he obviously, you know, got a touchdown reception to level the game. Um, and obviously the Bear, uh, the Browns moving the ball up the field um, obviously struggled, you know, in terms of getting any sort of, you know, offensive, you know, red zone play in the game. So, you know, equally as much as we want to criticise Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield at the same time needs to be doing a lot better, but he's just literally there as a sort of a caretaker role while the running game takes its course. Um, had a 10-7 lead. One of the bigger plays, obviously mentioned Olivier Vernon and his free sacks. You know, he got a safety as well um, in there, you know, to give them a 12-7 lead. 
going into the third quarter. Uh, the fourth quarter, we had, um, as I say, just poor offensive play. There's not honestly not much to talk about in this game. You know, there was, you know, I'm surprised that, to be honest, I've managed to talk this much about this particular game. But, um, you know, the Eagles come back into the game to make it 10 12 with the field goal. Um, it was then a cream hunt, um, five yard run, which resulted in that becoming a two score game to make it 19 10. Uh, for the Browns, Cream Hunt, as I say, didn't have his best game. I think he only had sort of eleven or twelve rushing yards in the game. But you know, at the end of the day, he's certainly made some fantasy people happy with that touchdown. Um, after that, you know, they, they get the other field goal, and really after that, it's just playing catch up there for the Eagles, and they'll never coming back into this game. Um, so the game finished twenty two seventeen. Eagles will be interesting now, that division. And to be honest with you, I know people sort of make fun of the NFC East, but it's quite an intriguing prospect, really, to see who's going to actually win that division because you literally could have a team that could be potentially a top-five picking team one week, and then next week they're going into the playoffs. So, you know, if you look at someone like the New York Giants only a couple of weeks ago, you're talking about them having one of the top-five picks in the draft. And now people are talking about them potentially winning that division and, and getting into the playoffs. Whoever obviously gets into the playoffs, I think it's going to be a very, very short run. Um, but you never know, football can surprise you sometimes. But honestly, I think that's enough of me talking about the um, the Eagles and the Browns. going to talk about a bit more of a, an exciting game that we had in the week, which was the... Um, it was the Titans and the Ravens, so this this was a very, very, very exciting game. Um, in all honesty, you know, a tremendous um, overtime victory there for the Tennessee Titans um, over the Baltimore Ravens, thanks to uh, Derrick Henry. Um, long periods of this particular game, it did look like the Ravens were going to take the share of the spoils, and you obviously had, you kind of felt that because of the way the Titans were sort of playing over the course of the last few weeks. Um, you know, they've they've really, you know, since that defeat to the Steelers, they've really struggled, you know, uh, in recent weeks. Obviously, you know, lost to the Colts last the week before. They did manage to beat the Bears, but that was a closely contested game. Lost to a Bengals team and then obviously losing to the Steelers. So, you know, it was one of them results where, yeah, the Ravens aren't the same team as they were last season but at the same time you know when you look at the way the game went you, you kind of had a feeling that maybe the Ravens were gonna come back but it was a, a brilliant brilliant fourth quarter there from the Tennessee Titans you know getting 11 points in that fourth quarter certainly you know made the difference for them on this occasion you know as I say it was just a really really um, solid comeback there so all credit goes out to the Tennessee Titans now who moved to seven and three uh, the Baltimore Ravens now six and four, which you know um, certainly solidifies you know who the Kings are for the AFC North. Um, Steelers are definitely looking on the way up. I know Steelers. A lot of people argue they've not had um, you know the toughest run run ups in in the division, but at the same time you can only play who you've got in front of you. Um, and coincidentally, obviously they've got the they did have the game tomorrow against the Ravens uh, for the late night game in. Um, you know, for Thanksgiving. Unfortunately, that's been um, postponed until Sunday now due to a number of COVID results um, from the Baltimore Ravens camp. Um, 
a lot of um, a lot of Steelers players are not really happy about that, to be honest. But at the end of the day, I'm sure there's a legitimate a legitimacy about this. Um, you know, I appreciate you know at the end of the day, what's a few days difference going to make? You know, it's obviously disappointing from a fan's perspective, especially you know when you know fans look forward to Thanksgiving and now you're losing that late night game. But you know that's exactly you know what we're kind of grown accustomed to you know with with covid it's obviously not happened as much in the nfl but certainly like for example you know we talk about in the college football podcast you know it's happened you know one too many times uh with you know postponements and they're just happening left right and center so we're quite lucky from a, an nfl perspective to have had as many games as we had you know going into week 11 um you know not having too many disruptions um but sort of going back to talking about the game there I know sort of going a bit off topic there um and I said I wouldn't talk about that team but unfortunately you know sometimes you just got to do it don't you um so in the first quarter you know the the Titans got off to a very strong start with the uh, one yard touchdown pass uh, to Johnny Smith I know my son was very particularly happy with that he had Derrick Henry and Johnny Smith in his uh, fantasy football lineup so either way he was benefiting somewhere on that one yard line Certainly thought it was going to be Derek Henry, but he, he actually had a very slow start. Um, so although he had a, a good game at the end of it, it certainly wasn't easy for him at the beginning. Um, I think most of his sort of runs um, were sort of in the fourth quarter and obviously in in overtime as well. Um, the Titans took the 7-0 lead. Justin Tucker then um, had the 30-yard field goal uh, to bring them back into it to make it 7-3. Once again, it was just a, a case of Lamar Jackson is struggling, you know, when it comes to sort of, you know, his, his, his arm, you know, and even in the running game, he's, uh, you know, defences are sort of picked up on what Lamar is all about. So at the minute, it's very much one of those sort of transitional seasons. He's going to have to sort of go back to the drawing board. I think he'll come back. I still think he's, uh, you know, a very good quarterback. You don't just um, have a season like he did last season without being, having some sort of talent, but obviously he's got to have a bit more about him you know certainly and it doesn't help as well that he doesn't probably have some of their better weapons you know in in that division so you know it's, time will tell you know where Lamar goes um but as I say the Ravens were still looking strong in this particular game you know having a 14-10 lead going into the half um J.K. Dobbins um had a two-yard run um in the second quarter uh, to give him a seven-point lead over the Titans and I think the Titans had a sort of a, a field goal sort of late into the second quarter uh, to leave it 14-10. In the third quarter, um, Lamar Jackson found Mark Andrews for a 31-yard touchdown pass, which, you know, certainly at that point, you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, I thought the Ravens had this game in the bag. You know, even with the um, the third quarter ending at 13-21, you know, being a, a sort of one-score game, I just couldn't see the Titans coming back into this. AJ Brown, um, I mean, he struggled a lot in the game um, initially. Number of drop catches I saw him have, quite a number of them. Um, and I was just thinking, at the point when you start criticising him and thinking, you know, what's wrong with this guy? He came up with an amazing 14-yard touchdown pass from Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he, you guys watched that footage. I mean, he was a monster sort of going into that, trying to go for that touchdown he showed so much you know sort of poise to try and you know get in you know he's having defenders sort of all over him and his offensive line was helping him out there sort of getting him into that end zone 
That was a great, great effort, to be fair. We've seen a lot of that this week, um, which, you know, we'll go into later. But that put the Titans in a position where, um, you know, they they took the lead um, to make it 24-21. Uh, Ravens then got the field goal um, to level things up with around 15 seconds left of the fourth quarter. You then think, OK, it's going to overtime. Normally, the ascendancy is always with the team who scores last. But I've seen it a lot now recently where it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, teams are, teams, you know, are not, you know, they're, they're much more stronger in terms of their mindset. And I don't think it matters who scores last in the end. You know, normally, you know, now it's anyone's game. Um, and in this situation, it was that 29-yard touchdown run from Derrick Henry, which... It was so easy for him, wasn't it? I mean, like I said, he he didn't do... I mean, he still... I think he would have had a 100-yard game without that run. Uh, yeah, because he had 133 yards. But at the same time, you know, that that really sort of solidified him. And he's having a fantastic season. I think he's only sort of behind um, Darwin Cook in terms of, you know, yardage. And, you know, he's... Uh, there was obviously a lot of, lot of talk about, you know, him and his season, whether... He was going to be, you know, the same Derrick Henry as we saw last season, which is understandable. Obviously, you know, you know, he had the issue with the contract, um, you know, potential free agency, uh, which obviously didn't happen for him. Um, so he's obviously still potentially looking for that contract. So it's good to see a player really still going out there and, and giving it, you know, his all for the team. Now, I'm going to move on to the next game. Now, randomly, because we're, Obviously, doing this back and forth, I've kind of forgotten which game I'm looking at. Oh, yes, right. It was the Packers and the Colts. So, uh, yeah, um, like I said, I did get some very, very meaty games. So, this finished the Colts 34 and the Packers 31. So, uh, the Packers move on to 7 and 3, um, as do the Colts uh, 7 and 3. So, that's interesting. Um, I was quite happy with the res- result. Um, obviously, wanting any NFC team who's gunning for the playoffs to, you know, lose is always a positive for me. Um, but obviously it um, was a bit of a surprise for me. I mean, I did think I did think the Colts had a really good chance because they have been on a, a real good run of form. But at the same time, uh, the way the game was going initially, it was another one where I, I, I didn't foresee Colts sort of coming back into it and it caused me a bit of a, a bit of a surprise, to be honest. But that's that's the way it goes, you know. Um, the Colts, you know, very very, you know, good defense. The, the defense didn't really obviously have one of its better games. But then, if you're playing Aaron Rodgers, you're kind of you know, you're not expected to do too much, are you? I mean, let's give them let's give them the benefit of the doubt here. Um, Darius Leonard is is still a beast though. Um, absolutely, one of my favorite players in the NFL um, by far. You know, so it's. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely an exciting game. So, in terms of the the actual game itself, um, the first quarter a bit of a slow start, sluggish start from both teams. Um, eight minutes and twenty one seconds into the first quarter, um, and Rogers found uh, Tonyan for the twenty five yard touchdown pass. Um, and finally, I've been waiting for this moment to be honest. So, Michael Pittman Jr. Um, Loved him coming out of USC. Uh, was a fantastic receiver, and being obviously a Bucks fan, you know, loved you know having his dad in a you know as a former running back with the Bucks as well. You know, 
absolutely um you know love the guy and obviously seeing his son now in in the nfl is you know fantastic and also um you know they've also got mika Pittman as well who's uh uh, Michael's brother who actually plays for my college team the Oregon Ducks so you know the Pittman family certainly one that I always look out for so I was happy to see Michael Pittman get his uh, first touchdown of the season it was a very nice uh, 45 yard um, um, well say 45 yard pass it was uh, more of a, a pass to Pittman and he just sort of ran in for the touchdown there um, it was quite easy to be honest Rivers found him quite easily um, and you know, level the game up. Pittman's obviously had his injury troubles as well, so he's not played too much this season. So um, hopefully now that he's got this uh, first touchdown, he can pick up because the Colts certainly need that receiver help. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's obviously getting on a bit. I'm pretty certain he's um, out of contract at the end of the season, so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. And obviously some of the other picks, you know, that they've had in the draft have, haven't always panned out from a receiver point of view for the Colts. So they certainly, you know, can do with someone like Michael Pittman stay, stepping up there. Um, that leveled the game in the first quarter. Second quarter, I'd say it was, uh, you know, this is where the Packers sort of took control of the game and you thought, you know, this is where it's going to be, um, you know, sort of easy pickings for them. So, Aaron Rodgers had a two-yard run uh, play early in the second quarter to make it 14-7 before you know it. Devontae Adams is also getting in the act 21-7 and you think, you know, this is just routine here. Um, but the Colts aren't gone in there, you know. Um, <coughs> they're looking they're looking a lot more sort of resilient, you know, in terms of the way they were playing earlier on in the season. Um, and I think they've gained a lot of confidence over the last few games. Um, Philip Rivers, although he did turn the ball over once in this game, he, he's not doing it as sort of consistently uh, as he was, you know, uh, previously, so you got to give him, you got to give him some credit there, um, and you know they obviously love to use the tight ends and Trey Burton. You know he's a, you know, a, a very good one. You know he's very good with these sort of trick plays, etc. But uh, you had the seventeen-yard touchdown pass, um, but then obviously it was twenty-eight fourteen at halftime. So really, you know, realistically, you know. You could forgive anyone for thinking that this game was over. Um, the third quarter, really, the Packers didn't have nothing, nothing on offense. You know, absolutely, you know, diabolical um, in that respect. And you know, the Colts slowly started to come back into the game. Obviously, they got the field goal, and then they had the uh, touchdown pass for Jack Doyle. Um, and they also converted the two-point uh, conversion with Naheem Hines. So you know, very quickly. You know, from being 28-14 down, you're only down by three points at 28-25 going into the third quarter. Um, once again, the Packers, nothing in the second half except that field goal right at the end with three seconds to go. Um, the Colts had a couple of field goals of themselves. Uh, my boy, Rodrigo Blankenship, with you know, a couple of field goals in an, uh, you know, inside of the fourth quarter, leveled it up. And, you know, the game was 31-31 um, at the end. You know, obviously with Crosby, like I've mentioned, with that, you know, pivotal field goal. But once again, the team that scores last in regular time doesn't end up winning the game. It's just like I was talking about with um, the Titans and the Ravens game. So, you know, this just came down to a field goal by Blankenship at the end that won the game for them. So, um, you know, full credit goes out to 
you know the boys there uh the colts you know philip rivers is certainly doing the business um very similar sort of stats from both quarterbacks both got three touchdowns and an interception so realistically it's difficult to pinpoint exactly where the game was lost from a green Bay perspective what i'd say is they had a very fast start and then in the second half they literally just sort of you know lost their way a bit um and you could point that down to the colts defense you can also point it down to maybe um you know Aaron Rodgers other than sort of Devontae Adams you know who else he obviously has got a good running game yep but at the same time they were fairly contained although you know Rod, uh, Aaron Jones got you know one touchdown you know he still only had 41 yards and 10 carries so they didn't maybe didn't go to the running game enough for me you know only used, running the ball 18 times over the fact that Rodgers threw the ball 38 times um it's you know it's very very difficult you know to see how they sort of lost their way there but credit to the Colts as I say it was just about hanging in there and you know seeing where things go um now apologies I know we sort of talked about some of the games um and I can't remember what the other game was that I was meant to be talking about because I'm not one for putting notes on so uh just give me a minute. This is quite embarrassing to be honest on live on a live recording, but I'm not going to lie to to you guys. I'm obviously trying to find it. It was Miami Denver. No wonder I forgot about it. Oh my god, do I really have to talk about this game? Yeah, I guess I do. Um obviously we've got, you know, uh one of my friend big friends, uh, Chris Noon, he's a he's a massive Broncos fan, so I'm sure he'd be very upset um, if I didn't talk about them. Not that I even know if he listens to this podcast, but you know, uh, just in case he does, I will certainly talk about them for both for you guys out there. But yeah, this was another result that surprised me. A um, number of decisions surprised me as well because obviously we all know that um, you know Fitzmagic was brought in, um, you know, towards the end of the game, and I know. I was a component of, you know, having Fitzmagic in there from the beginning, but now that Tua is in there, I think, you know, it's 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 a bit difficult to just suddenly go back to Fitzmagic now and say, okay, you know, you do the job. I mean, I know they said obviously it was based on Tua's performance, which I kind of understand, but you know, sometimes you just gotta you just gotta bite the bullet really and try and you know, and just try and go for it, but. You know, in this situation, uh, they did try and go with Fitzmagic towards the end of the game um, and, you know, try and get them back into it. But once again, it was it was a game of really, really a poor offensive play. Um, Drew Locke had that early interception. And obviously, you know, we talked about the week before where Drew Locke threw four, was it four interceptions? Um, pretty much lost count and he's having a real struggle, real, real struggle. Um so he needs to get his act together because the Broncos will. It's difficult to say what they'll do in the draft. Um, obviously, they've got quite a number of glaring needs, but do they look at quarterback? You know, do they go for a, a complete overhaul in terms of you know their what they do? And I know it's a bit dodgy of me talking about that because they've won. They beat the Dolphins, who are a very good team. But you can't say this was down to anything. But you know, um, their defense hanging in there keeping them in the game um so the Dolphins obviously took the early lead um through Devontae Parker 
uh, that was on the back of, you know, obviously Drew Locke's um, mistake in the first half. Um, the Broncos, obviously using the running game, uh, came back into it to level the game up. Uh, that was Melvin Gordon uh, to level up at half-time to make it 7-7. Um, used the running game a lot, carried the ball 33 times. When you look at the fact that Drew Locke threw the ball 30 times, and they're carrying the ball 33 times, just shows you the ratio. Um, but they did well out of the running game. Um, I mean, you, Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay are a good one too. Um, very sort of similar stat line. You know, Melvin Gordon got 84 yards. Lindsay had 82. Obviously, the only difference being Melvin Gordon got the two touchdowns. But Philip Lindsay is a great, you know, um, is a great weapon to have as well. You know, we can't forget, obviously, a few years ago, he was, you know, looked at as one of the better sort of running backs and just sort of lost his way a bit. So it's nice to see that he's somewhat come back into this, um, you know, Broncos team um, and, and is actually playing a, a decent role, you know, on that offence. Um, sorry, I feel like I'm going to yawn. Sorry, guys. <laughs> been a long day. Been a long day. What can I say? Um but yeah, in terms of the the game itself, obviously 7-7 in the first quarter. The second quarter really is just a game of field goals, you know, back and forth between the teams. Denver had the lead 13-10 at halftime. Um, at this point, really, I still felt, yeah, the Dolphins could come back into it. But literally, the Dolphins had nothing at all on offense, you know. And the only thing, other thing, talking point is the second touchdown for Melvin Gordon, a nice 20-yard run, uh, which gave him a 10-point cushion. And really all all they could muster up at the end of it was, you know, the, um, you know, the Jason Sanders uh, field goal at the end. Uh, even with Fitzmagic coming in, um, you know, he obviously threw for more yards than Tua did, but obviously he wasn't able to do anything other than the interception. Uh, that he had um, sort of late on in the game, but that was obviously trying to get back into the game, so you can kind of understand that. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a disappointment from a Dolphins perspective because they are very much a team, you know, looking at, at playoffs, especially when you look at the AFC as well. I mean, how many teams are there that are going to realistically get into the playoffs? Um, you know, in the AFC, obviously you've got the four division winners, uh, which are likely to be Buffalo. Um, obviously a lot of people did think maybe Dolphins but I don't know after this result now but if you look at the way the table is now you've got the Steelers, you've got Buffalo you've got uh, the Chiefs and uh, you've got potentially the Titans or Colts it's toss up really but if you think at least two people from that two teams from that division are going in so you've got another two spots so who do they go to um, potentially Ravens you've got Raiders um yeah so in that point you know a win is a must for the dolphins because you know another couple of defeats and they quickly find themselves out of you know contention but maybe you got to look at it as well from a dolphins perspective is the playoffs even although it'd be nice for them is it really needed in the sense that we don't see them winning it you know you know obviously everyone wants to get into the playoffs but they're very much a team still in transition they've got a number of high draft picks next year or should I say number of draft picks this next year um, so they're going to obviously try and use that wisely they look good under Brian Flores and definitely you know a team are on the up and up um, 
you know, change of direction in a positive way, whereas the Broncos, despite winning, are very much going down the downward trajectory. I know they've had a few injuries, particularly on offense and even, you know, a couple of defense uh, defensive players, but seriously need to look at, you know, the way that that organization is run, you know. Um, I, I would certainly be looking at John Elway and thinking, you know, we can do better. But that's not my decision to make, thankfully. Um, so, yeah, that's all the games that I'm going to discuss. Um, I will briefly touch upon the Rams and Bucks because I know it's not a game that we've kind of penciled in, but obviously being my team, I know normally I, we know, you know we each get our um, the games that we're, you know, of our team. So um, I'm not going to shy away from it. Uh, the better team won. Uh, the Rams were certainly deserving of the victory. I'd be lying if I said that when it was 24-24 that I felt the Bucks were deserving to coming back in this. Absolutely not. Um, they, they they were not good on offence. Tom Brady cannot throw anything above 20 yards, which is, you know, a real, real concern, especially when you look at the weapons that, you know, we've got. You know, Antonio Brown looking half decent, to be honest, you know, playing in the slot. Chris Godwin there as well, Mike Evans, you know, the workload's obviously being shared between the three. Um, so, but to be honest, I want to talk more about the Rams because I think, you know, you've got to give, you've got to give the Rams credit. Yes, Aaron Donald had, um, had a quiet game in all honesty, but this wasn't a game of sort of great, uh, you know, defense uh, in the sense of, you know, the quarterback being pressured. It was never going to happen uh, in terms of, you know, Jared Goff getting sacked because you saw it from a couple of weeks ago when the Bucks played uh, the Saints. Um, Drew Brees, another quarterback who likes to release the ball, you know, very quickly. You know, you very rarely see him have the ball for very long. Um, you know, otherwise there can be trouble for him. Um, Jared Goff's absolutely the same. So I always felt that we always struggle against these sort of quarterbacks who, you know, you like to use the play action use their receivers in different sort of uh, positions, you know, like they've got the likes of Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. Wow. I mean, by half time he had, I'm sure he pretty much had over a hundred yards already by half time. He, um, ended the game with sort of 145 yards, which was, you know, uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, from his point of view, Robert Woods, uh, lightly as well, we've got 130 yards and a touchdown. I think he was voted the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. So, um, you know, credit credit goes to him. Um, also, from a Rams perspective, like you said, they're good to see um, Van Jefferson and Cam Akers, two rookies, getting in on the action and getting their sort of first touchdowns. Um, obviously, it wasn't happy for me, but this was also obviously a revenge game for Matt Gay, the former Bucks kicker, who ended up kicking the. Um, you know what would end up being the the game-winning field goal. Um, you know, but it's just it's just one of those bad days. You know, from a Bucks perspective, they're not looking good when it comes to prime time games. Tom Brady, you know, I'm sure he can come back into it, but the only problem is we play the Chiefs next, which is not going to be an easy game. It would be typical of the Bucks to end up getting a result, to be honest. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. I didn't see them winning this game against the Rams, and I don't see them winning against the Chiefs. So I think they will, unfortunately, fall to um, seven and five, which may seem bad. You know, when people looked at the acquisitions they had, 
that you know they would be doing a lot more i think we need to be a bit realistic as well and temper our expectations i think a lot of the noise is coming from outside the box camp in terms of you know winning the super bowl etc you know yeah we, we've brought these players in to try and you know get to the playoffs and win a super bowl but at the same time when you look at everything that's gone on with you know covid and not being able to have a proper training camp it was never going to be easy and for everyone to just simply think that Tom Brady's this savior you know it, it's yes he he has definitely shown signs of improvement i mean we i mean i know he's turned the ball over twice in this game uh, and he's turned the ball over a number of times but it's not to the level of what um you know Jameis Winston was doing uh, when he was on the books. I mean, that was sort of really frustrating. I mean, he's turned the ball over nine times. Uh, when you look at Jameis 30 times, and he's already threw for 25 touchdown passes when, you know, we're literally coming close to what Jameis did last season already. And we're only sort of into week 11. So when you, when you look at it from that perspective, obviously the ball protection is there. We're obviously having a lot of issues you know with the offensive line uh, Donovan Smith's not doing it we've got Ali Marpet who's unfortunately missed his second or third consecutive game I want to say so he's had um, issues with concussions and you know he's obviously unfortunate um, but more importantly obviously you've got to look out for the well-being of the man um, himself because when you miss two or three games due to concussion that that's quite a worrying sign you know um, obviously we know all about CTE now and we're more educated on things, you know, as such. So when you see a player like that, um, you just want, you know, hope that they're okay. Even moving away from football, you know, don't care if he doesn't play another snap of football. Well, obviously I do care, but more importantly, we care about the man himself just to make sure that he's actually going to be okay, um, you know, in the long term from his own personal health. Um, as I say, I question a lot of the play calling as well. Um, it's not just down to... Tom Brady as well, Byron Leftwich, you know, carry you know, running the ball eighteen times, you know, and Brady throwing for forty eight times, you know, it just does make you wonder, you know, so when you got sort of back like Ronald Jones coming back on one of his probably his best game as a Buccaneer last week, you know, you would have expected a lot more. Appreciate the uh, front seven for the Rams are absolutely fantastic when you got Aaron Donald, etc. But at the same time. You know you've got to you've got to try and utilize you know your weapons in the right way, and I think Leftwich just didn't do that. The Rams had a better game plan, and Sean McVay is always a really good organized coach. So uh, credit to him, you know, and and it's it was a well deserved victory at the end for them. I think um, a lot of poor defensive play from the book secondary as well. Um, uh, I know we had a. I think it was Jamal Dean who went down, didn't he, with a concussion um, at some point in the game. We had Sean Murphy bunting in. Um, I know he got quite a number of tackles in, but also there was a bit of sloppy play from him. I, remember, I can always remember the uh, play for Cooper Cup where he just dived in on him and was nowhere near him, and it was just you know, utterly embarrassing. Um, it was a couple of defensive plays that sort of got us back into the game. Obviously, we had the Jason Pierre-Paul... Um, interception and the Whitehead interception I really thought when Whitehead had that interception that we would sort of come back and you know maybe get the victory but like I said I don't think it would have been deserved and you know credit to you know the Rams D obviously they're their uh, secondary uh, pulled it off in the end um, 
trying to forget now who got the uh, interceptions now for the Rams. Oh, God, it wasn't Darrell Williams because uh, Williams was the one doing it last week. And obviously, we know it wasn't, wasn't Jalen Ramsey either. Um, Ramsey's just pretty much uh, he's not getting a look in with the picks because I think a lot of teams are trying to avoid throwing into anywhere near um, Jalen Ramsey. Sorry, I'm just going to double check this just to see because it's going to annoy me. Obviously, if Kirit was. Yeah, he's a, he's asleep now. He would have he would have told me in an instant who got these uh interceptions. But let's uh, have a quick look. Uh Jordan Fuller, that was right, that's right. How could I forget? So everyone's been talking about the whole situation. So apparently Jordan Fuller was actually a um pick the same draft pick, um pick number as Tom Brady was. Obviously, the only difference being Tom Brady was the year 2000 and Jordan Fuller was 2020. So, it's quite bizarre how that happens. But, yeah, um, obviously the rookie's done good uh, and all credit to him. It'll be interesting to see what happens in week 12. So, yeah, that's uh, well 40 minutes of talking about football on my own. That's just crazy, isn't it? But I don't know what, obviously, the other guy's going to present to you, but obviously, please be mindful, you know. It's, you know, a stressful time with everything going on, you know, um, obviously not knowing, you know, with all this lockdown stuff uh, and all this bubble nonsense going on. It's uh, hoping that, you, you know, everyone is in a safe place at the minute and, you know, looking up forward to obviously Thanksgiving this week and, you know, the run up to Christmas. Um, but yeah, from me, that is it. And hopefully next week, guys, we can give you some better content out there with a bit more banter um but yeah oh god i'm yawning already so that's it that's good night from me guys hope you all have a very good thanksgiving especially to our american brothers and sisters out there across the pond you know i hope you have a, a wonderful day you know and everyone you know enjoy the festivities try and be sensible um enjoy the games tomorrow night and obviously those of you watch college football enjoy that and sunday night's football and we will chat next week take care guys well 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 how those turntables turn hey guys cardinals 21 seahawks 28 and I mean, everybody saw it coming. It's not like these two teams played a couple of weeks ago and was a completely different ball game at all. No, not at all. Once again, we get hit by the craziness of Thursday night prime time. I was not confident coming to this game whatsoever, but thanks to Carlos Hyde and Carlos Dunlap, some balance has seemingly been restored to the Seahawks team and uh, everything's fixed now so you know we'll be going on a playoff run so watch out NFC and AFC the Seahawks are back ish yeah it was definitely a much more balanced game from the Seahawks they had a running back who they felt like they could trust and this was visibly easing the pressure on Russell Wilson. He didn't look like he felt like he had to do everything by himself, as he was in previous weeks with DJ Dallas and Alex Collins in the backfield with Carlos Hyde, who was a thousand-yard rusher with Houston last year. I can barely believe it myself. But he allowed 
Wilson to play his own game. We knew that Carlos Hyde could make the first downs if he needed to get there, and he did. Between him and random running back number 57 for the year, Bo Scarborough, combining for 100 yards on the ground, Carlos Hyde putting in a touchdown as well. This was quite different to the Cardinals' offence, who couldn't or just wouldn't find any room on the ground. Kenyon Drake had 29 yards off 11 carries, and the real key to how this game ended, Kyler Murray had 15 yards rushing. I don't know whether this was a designed change in game plan by Cliff Kingsbury, or a reaction to the way that Seattle have been stopping the run this season, but your main weapon is Kyler Murray's legs. It's the fact that people can't plan for him. Was he that injured that they didn't want him taking any potential hits in the run game? Maybe, but it really kind of cost the Cardinals today because, once again, Murray started slowly and it was the same as last week against Buffalo. Only seven points being put up at half-time. Not helped whatsoever by the constant penalties on the Arizona Cardinals' offense. They were literally shooting themselves in the foot. I'm surprised Plexico Burris wasn't out there. Still, seven points in the first half, 16 for the Seahawks thanks to a broken play where Metcalf managed to get open. Lockett getting in the end zone for a touchdown as well. Jason Myers making up for a missed extra point by slotting a field goal over. A strange way to make it to 16 points indeed. The second half started out a lot smoother for the Cardinals, and they took control in the third quarter. They had two touchdown drives and a long drive, taking the game into the fourth quarter, which saw the Cardinals closing the scores to 21-23. Now, Arizona had another chance to take control of the game here, but Michael Dixon's punt left them starting on their own 14, and then a mix-up between Murray and Arnold caused an intentional grounding, which pushed them all the way back to their goal line. And it was at that point that Pete Carroll's secret weapon, J.R. Sweezy, yes, former terrible offensive lineman for the Seahawks, J.R. Sweezy, now offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals, finding himself in the end zone, decided to hold L.J. Collier, prevented him from sacking Kyler Murray. The official spotted this, and gave a safety because the hold occurred in the end zone. Check out the officiating podcast if you want to know a bit more on that one. This gave the Seahawks two points and, most importantly, took the ball away from Kyler Murray at a key point where the Cardinals could have extended their hold on the game. Now, the Seahawks could only go downfield um, and get a field goal, but they did take seven minutes off the clock leaving just three left for the Cardinals. Of course, that's more than enough for Kyler Murray. And the Cardinals did still have a chance. They put together a number of plays to get downfield, and they were 30 yards away from the end zone, but Kyler Murray simply couldn't convert. This time, the Seahawks' defense coming together, both on the front and the back end, some excellent coverage and a lot of pressure up front, forcing Kyler Murray to throw towards that coverage. The passes continually fell incomplete, all were batted away, and it was on fourth down that Carlos Dunlap, signed from the Bengals just a few weeks ago, broke through the line and sacked Kyler Murray to seal the game for the Seahawks. Now, 
I don't really believe that all the Seahawks problems are fixed. This was a good game. This is exactly the way we want to go. It really helps that now the Cardinals do not have an advantage over us in the tiebreakers because the NFC West is continuing to be uh, way too competitive for anybody's liking. All we can do is see. With the Seahawks, that's all you can do. It's just pray and hope that, you know, next week it goes the same way. The Cardinals, is going to be disappointing for them. I think the main thing for them is off a short week. Murray definitely looked banged up. He was being chested out on the sidelines a lot. His shoulder was being tested. That really affected the way they played the game. He's going to have had 10 days rest by the time they play again. He should be back to himself. And if they can keep those penalties away and get a bit of a quicker start, they could probably beat anybody. They need to keep that defence going. Buda Baker's really playing well. There was a little bit of miscommunications between... Um, Kirkpatrick and Patrick Peterson kind of need to get that sorted as well but easily see both of these two teams in the playoffs and it could be best two out of three wins the NFC let's hope it goes that way now the rest of my games weren't exactly barn burners Cincinnati Washington Carolina Detroit New Orleans, Atlanta, and the Jets, Chargers. So we'll start at the beginning. Cincinnati 9, Washington 20. The game, eh, not much special. I'm going to bury the lead here and just talk about the Washington defense for a while because they are really clicking into gear again. They keep hitting hard. They had a very very odd series of plays where they smashed the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand nearly committed a safety but it was somehow determined that the defender hadn't possessed the ball in the end zone enough again check out the Roger Goodgrove's podcast for more information on why that call was made that way it was probably the right one but it's it's going to be a bit of a borderline Uh, They completely stymied the Bengals, who tried to be very pass-heavy when Joe Burrow was on the field. The Washington offense just built off the back of the defense quite a lot. They only had 160 passing yards from Alex Smith and 160 rush yards. have to say, this is Alex Smith's first victory since his horrendous leg injury, and I think we're all glad to see it come at some point. Of course, Bengals fans are not happy it comes against their team, but... It's good to see somebody not get completely knocked out of the game through an injury that looked like it could have been much, much worse than it has ended up being. So, good for you, Alex. And I have to say, he's doing well as a placeholder quarterback, but if Washington can find a quarterback in this next draft, or from somewhere else, they could really hit on, especially with the way the NFC East is at the moment. They get a quarterback in there. You've got Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. The defense is continually turning the ball over and making big stops. Get a quarterback in there, somebody who can actually dish the ball out. It doesn't need to be anybody spectacular. You don't need a Paddy Mahomes. You need somebody who can just run that offense the way that Ron Rivera wants to run it. We know Ron Rivera is a potential Super Bowl coach. He was there with Carolina. They can get that last piece of the jigsaw. They'll be sorted. They'll be right through. Now, the real news. Joe Burrow, out for the season. Just as the Bengals were really starting 
to get into the flow of things. They were using him a little too much for my liking. They weren't protecting him too well, but none of them can really be blamed for this kind of injury. It, it was a bit of a freakish play. He gets rolled up on from behind, and you can see straight away. It goes over his knee, it's hyperextended, and, I mean, he's torn his ACL, his MCL, and done other ligament damage. He's going to be out for the year. I'm not sure if he makes it back in time for training camp. If he does, he's going to do really well. He is young, so he's got that going for him. Hopefully he will, because he looked like he had the makings of being a good quarterback. Maybe not a great quarterback, but a good quarterback at the very, very least. He was, They were throwing the ball a lot with him, kind of making up for some of the other inadequacies on the offense. It's just sad to see something like this happen to a prospect like Joe Burrow. The question really now is, do Cincinnati bring back Joe Mixon, who's suffering his own injury problems? They put him on IR. Would you bring him back for the rest of the season at all? You're 2-7-1. You've got a shot at a top-five pick. You really gain nothing from bringing Joe Mixon back and potentially getting him injured for the rest of the season. I mean, right now we're in week 11. You can kind of make it back for the beginning of next season. We've seen previously players struggle the Obviously, the longer it goes into the season, the more damage their bodies take, the longer it takes for them to recover. If I was Zach Taylor, I'd let them heal, get those two players back, use your top draft picks to shore up the O-line and get a couple of players on defence. You've got a T. Higgins, who seems to be playing really well at the moment. You've still got Giovanni Bernard, who is, I don't know, ever young at the moment. It's not a great week for Cincinnati in a year that was... You know, showing some promise and has once again just turned so bangables on them. It's a shame. Now the next game finished Carolina 20, Detroit nothing. Nothing. Not a point. Not a single point. They even tried to get a field goal towards the end to stop themselves from being shut out. But no Matt Patricia has been shut out by a team who weren't playing a potential MVP in Christian McCaffrey and whose quarterback, whose last game, was in the XFL. To my mind, if this isn't a short Thanksgiving week and they're not playing on the Thursday, he'd be gone. I just don't think Detroit want to make this week completely about that. I can't see how he stays in his job. He has been subpar. His teams have not been interesting. He's dealt away good players on defense. Yes, they were without Golladay, Swift, and Danny Amendola. But how long do the excuses last for Matt Patricia? He does not inspire a lot of um, love from the players or the fans. I really can't see him lasting by the end of the season. I think he should be gone before then if the Detroit Lions really want to look at a team properly. There was absolutely nothing on offense for them today. Matt Stafford couldn't get anything going at all. The one bright spot, which was a flea flicker, a 50-yard touchdown pass to Marvin Jones, called back due to Marvin Jones being in an illegal formation. And it's those little things that really just make a team good or they make a team great. And this completely knocked the wind out of their sails took away 
any chance of them coming back in the game. Matt Stafford was celebrating down the field. I'm sorry, Detroit fans, but uh, it's not a good season. It's not a good time at all. I'm not sure where you go after Patricia, but Patricia cannot carry on much longer. Carolina fans, on the other hand, get your fourth win of the season. Look pretty good even with PJ Walker under centre. PJ was raw, yes, but he had a good rapport with the receivers. He kind of knew when to tuck and run and threw some really pretty passes. He also had a few absolute shockers, so it's not like you've got the second coming of, I don't know, Steve Young or Dan Marino or anybody like that in there. He threw two interceptions in the red zone, one of which was just awful. I'm not even sure who you're supposed to be passing to, but it went straight to one of the three defenders that were stood there. But still, you've shown time and time again you can eke out a victory even without a CMC, even without Teddy Bridgewater. The offense kind of runs nicely along on its own, so this is building well for the future. The defense is obviously still young after all those picks being made there. Matt Rule seems to have a good sense of what he can do with the offense and what he can get away with on the defense. These are completely opposing teams right now, the Panthers and the Lions, and I think, you know, go for it, Panthers. It, you could easily be there if, you know, the Drew Brees era ends, the Tom Brady experiment fails, NFC South can be theirs once again. New Orleans 24, Atlanta 9. And this game was about two things. One, the unstoppable Saints defense, who demolished Matt Ryan constantly. They racked up eight sacks and stopped any kind of run game going for the Falcons. This is really the type of defense the Saints have looked for for years. And it's the type of defense they want to play if they want to go anywhere in the postseason. Of course, the second thing this game was about was Taysom Hill. Last week we were talking quite a bit about how Jameis wouldn't fit into the Saints style of offense, but Taysom Hill seems to. He was efficient, just like Breeze would be, 18 of 23 for 233 yards, but he adds an extra dimension. He racked up 49 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. His deep ball was okay, it was no worse than Drew Breeze's, it wasn't pretty, but he used it when he needed to, it does some effectiveness, but he doesn't need to be Wilson or Mahomes. You've got Alvin Kamara in the backfield, you've got Michael Thomas, the ultimate possession receiver, right there. Uh, he didn't use Jared Cook too much, which I was not impressed with because he's in my fantasy team. Uh, but I think we saw why Taysom Hill has been paid so much money and why Sean Payton put a first round bounty on his head this year. He can step into this team. He has learned enough. He's efficient enough. He fits the offensive scheme that Sean Payton wants to go for. If Drew Brees retires at the end of the season, which I'm feeling there's less and less doubt about as the weeks go on with his 25 broken ribs or whatever it is, I can see Taysom Hill being the starter next year if he can continue to do the job he did this week. It's fine doing it one week. We've all seen quarterbacks come in and be a flash in the pan one week. Can he do it the next week? We'll see. We'll see. But he looked promising. He certainly has the, the right kind of head on his shoulders and putting him in all those random special teams plays has obviously helped him. The Falcons, meanwhile, were 
damn awful in this game. Uh, Matt Ryan just couldn't get a pass to stick when it mattered and all of their nine points came in the first half. They never really looked threatening to the Saints, even when they could move the ball. The first few series, when things were going well, they just couldn't find a way into the end zone. They were stuck out in the red zone all the time. All their points came from Youngway Koo field goals. And it kind of followed a pattern of Matt Ryan gets sacked. There's a short run or an incomplete pass. Matt Ryan hits a long pass to extend the drive. Repeat ad nauseum until there's a turnover or a coup field goal. I'm not sure where the Falcons go after this. Your season's basically lost anyway. There's a lot of holes on the offense and the defense that need fixing. Obviously, you're going to be bringing in a new coach, a new GM after Dimitrov and Dan Quinn went out. Do you hire Raheem Morris? I don't think that's an inspiring hire. I would be looking for somebody in the college game. Obviously, that's going to be very difficult with COVID hitting at the moment. But somebody really needs to come in and really re-energise this team. Obviously, Julio Jones was out for the majority of this game. That really doesn't help the Falcons. But you can't have an offence that just rolls over when one player's out there. It's going to be interesting to see just how the Falcons get out of this rut right now, especially in a strong NFC South where you've got the Panthers revving up on one side and the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for all their faults, continuing to purr over on the other side. It's going to be a difficult few years for Atlanta if they don't get this head coaching appointment right. And finally, the Jets 28, the Chargers 34. My analysis of this game can be summed up in the word meh. It really didn't register to me much on either level. Sorry, Chargers fans. I'm not going to apologise to Jets fans because Adam Gase should be apologising to you, but he refuses to. I mean, the Chargers turned up, they did what they needed to do, and then left, and that, that was all there really was to it. Um, the Jets got on the board first through a punt block, and that was the third punt block, blocked punt from the Chargers in five games. And it always seems to be something with the LA Chargers. There's always one thing that's just not quite in sync with the rest. A few years ago, they had an amazing special teams. Now they have an awful special teams. There's always going to be something there, isn't there? Thankfully, once the Jets scored their early touchdown, they went straight back into the locker room. They didn't even get the extra point. And you really then start to wonder where the Chargers would be if they had a competent medical staff. Because with a competent medical staff, they'd probably still have Gerard Taylor starting at quarterback and have Justin Herbert continuing to sit on the bench for what we now know is no reason whatsoever. This guy is setting records. It's a shame that Joe Burrow has gone down because otherwise we would have seen two excellent rookie quarterbacks battling for the rookie of the year. Now, Justin Herbert's got that wrapped up completely. He seems fine in the pocket. He seems fine running around. He was making a lots of short passes. Yes, his long pass game could do with a little bit more work and a bit more accuracy, but that's probably going to come with time, considering he's going to be there for 
20 plus years the same way that Philip Rivers was you also have to wonder where the Chargers could be if they get a competent running game next year they've got the wide receivers in Mike Williams and Keenan Allen they've got Hunter Henry at tight end they really need somebody to step up and stay in that running back slot Austin Eckler has been out for a good few weeks now and it has really affected the way that they play the game and you can see visibly that Justin Herbert is having to run the game I'm sure they wouldn't be wanting to run as many pass plays as they have to with him but the Chargers are going to find ways to lose the game if they can't control the ball and they can't control the ball without a good running game the defence is still strong up front of course you've got Bosa coming in there but they really miss Derwin James on the backside. The Jets put up 26 points on the Chargers. I mean, two of them were an intentional safety, so we'll call it 26. But still, 26 points from the Jets, the worst team in the league for, what, 10 years? Something like that. And most of these basically came from Joe Flacco lobbing the ball up all the way downfield. And Denzel Mims had either come up with a ridiculous catch, because he's amazing, or the Chargers would give them a soft DPI penalty. So, you know, the, the defence isn't quite as ferocious as it has been in the past couple of years. A little bit of work to be done there, LA Chargers fans. Now, if you're looking for some hard-hitting Jets analysis, go somewhere else. There's no way I'm talking about the Jets. They were just useless. I mean, Jets fans, go and hibernate for winter. Nothing good is coming out this year. Denzel Mims is looking great. Protect him now. You've got Beckton getting snaps. Mims is getting some reps. That's the only good thing about this year. Call it a practice year for next year when you've got Trevor Lawrence playing quarterback because I don't think Sam Darnold's coming back. Even if he does, would you rather have Trevor Lawrence or Sam Darnold? Unless the most Jetsy thing in the world happens and the Jets go out and take I don't know, a safety in the first round or something ridiculous with the first round with the first draft pick you're basically living for next year right now and you know it happens from time to time it's the NFL it happens to you more than anybody else but yeah, it's just the way it is take your lumps this year has been terrible for everybody worse for you guys don't worry about it write it off maybe you can get a win and not destroy your hopes for getting Trevor Lawrence but it's probably not worth risking it guys anyway now we'll uh, pass over to Sukdeep who's going to recap all of his games for you I uh, hope you guys have had a good week and enjoy watching whatever Thanksgiving games are left for us thanks guys thanks for that Ryan and we'll head straight over now to the key route section Greetings and welcome to the Kirat section where Kirat will talk you through his favourite quarterback, running back, wide receiver or tight end and favourite defence of the week. So how are you doing today Kirat? Good. You enjoy this week's uh, NFL action? Yeah. I wonder why. What in particular did you enjoy about this week? Because the Rams won. <laughs> and they beat the Bucks, didn't they? Yeah. Enough of that anyway. Um, actually no, in all seriousness, what what did you, I know you didn't watch the game live but you obviously seen the highlights, you know, the next day. Um, what in particular, you know, were you happy with in terms of the Rams' performance? 
when Van Jefferson and Cam Akers got their first senior touchdowns. Yeah, it's always vital because I know you've been waiting for this for a long time, haven't you? Because you collect, uh, obviously, you know, you, you're like me, you're into the hobby of collecting cards and you've got a number of Cam Akers and Van Jefferson cards, you know, in in your collection. So you've been waiting for them to sort of have that game where they get, um, you, you know, some sort of scoring opportunity. So it's great because now obviously you, the Rams have got further weapons now, haven't they? Not only, you know, you've got the likes of Cup and Woods who had superb games um, and Goff as well, but, you know, you've got these um, exactly as well. So, um, yeah, uh, fantastic. And just funny enough, looking through your list uh, that you've wrote down here in front of me, I've noticed you've got no Rams players, so that's a bit of a spoiler alert. So, um, yeah, thanks for that. At least we don't have to talk about the Rams again for this podcast, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, talk us through your favourite uh, quarterback of the week, then. Who have you gone for? Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, so... Uh, Chargers QB. So why have you gone for Justin Herbert? Because he threw 49 times and 37 of them were complete. He threw for 366 yards and three touchdowns. Well, that's nice. And uh, obviously I know it's the Jets, but at the same time, you know, you you can only beat who's in front of you. And you obviously had a bit of a, a stellar performance. What one particular do you like about Justin Herbert as a quarterback? Well, his arm. Mm, he's got a really strong arm, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he, I mean, he doesn't... He, I think he's getting a bit better with now using short yardage um, attempts as well. But yeah, he, you know he's got that deep threat in him as well, which we've seen, you know, plenty of in this campaign. But um, it's not always worked out for the Chargers in terms of getting victories. Um, I mean, even this game, they were close. You know, they brought the Jets back into it. But yeah, I think he didn't really have a faultless performance, did he? I mean, you know, like you said, when you get 37 completions out of 49... You know, majority of the time you're getting your targets and he's got some really good weapons there, which we'll possibly talk about later on, won't we? Mm. About some of the weapons he's got. So um, talk us through your favourite running back of the week. Derek Henry. Okay, um, so you've had Derek Henry on this list before, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah, you seem to be a big fan of Derek Henry, but what in particular impressed you this week with uh, with Derek? Because they beat the Ravens, he had 28 carries, 133 yards and one touchdown, which was in overtime to give them the win. Yeah, that we, I think, uh, was that the earlier game? I can't remember now. Yeah, you're awake for that, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so they got the overtime win, um, you know, against the Ravens. Obviously, the Ravens' defence being a very, very, um, you know, good, good, you know, particularly, you know, stopping uh, the run as well. So, yeah, for for me, yeah, Derrick Henry's a very good choice, and obviously to always get the you know to get the winner as well in overtime is always going to stand you in good stead. Um, he's definitely having a really good season, isn't he? Yeah. Up there with Dalvin Cook. Um, obviously we've got the Pro Bowl coming up, and I know you've never sort of voted on the Pro Bowl, but does Derrick Henry get your vote for the Pro Bowl, or you're not sure at the minute? I'm not sure, really. No. Okay, so who would you have in front of Derrick Henry at the minute? Even that's hard. I do not know at all because we know we're near the end of end of it, so I'm not sure. Oh, you want to wait a few more weeks, okay? Yeah. You're doing the sensible thing by, unlike me, uh, who likes to vote pretty much straight away and then you know later on regret it. So, yeah, that's uh, that's that's pretty good to be honest. So, um, who have you gone for your favourite wide receiver or tight end for this week? Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. So this is uh, first time on your list, Keenan Allen. Um, what did you like about Keenan Allen's performance? 
He had 16 receptions, 145 yards, and one touchdown. Mm, so, what, what did you notice about sort of Keenan Allen in his performance against the Jets? I know we've seen a bit of highlights, you know, not long before recording this podcast. So, what was what was in particular you liked about Keenan Allen? I liked it, like where he was positioned. Like whenever he he gets the ball, he's always in a good position. Yeah, he's he's used a lot in what we call like sort of the slot position. So yeah. he's not. Although we talked about Herbert having the strong arm with her, um, sorry, with Keenan Allen, he's using him in these tight situations, isn't he? Where you know Allen is getting those first downs. I mean, um, I don't know if you noticed, Kira. If you listen to the podcast, you would know. Um, but obviously, Keenan Allen is the best wide receiver to have on third down opportunities. So that just goes to show how important he is for a team. Uh, what did you think of his touchdown? It was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. What What in particular was good about it? It was because like his positioning again. He's always in good positions. Like I said first. So like basically, um, Justin Herbert moved forward and then the cornerback moved back and then he didn't move there. He just stayed in his position and then he waited for Justin Herbert to throw it to him. Yeah, it was a good touchdown at the yeah. end zone, wasn't it? So yeah, and it was third and goal. Well, yeah, it was third and goal. Yeah. So vital. That's that's what I'm saying about these third down opportunities. You're listening to me. I love it. Absolutely love it. Student of the game we've got here. You're going to take my position soon. Um, but another thing I wanted to mention, Kira. Like I've not told you this, but obviously you and I record this normally on a Tuesday. Uh, I know today's Wednesday, but normally we record on a Tuesday. At that point, the NFL on a Wednesday normally introduced their sort of NFL players of the week and I'm starting to find that a lot of the players you're picking in your list beforehand are actually being picked by the NFL as well so Ronald Jones for example uh, last week was one uh, such example I can't remember some of the rest but I'm sure you're pretty much on par with what the NFL are thinking so how does that make you feel makes me feel happy why is that then because like I'm only just a kid yeah and you're thinking okay at least you're on the same page as some of the experts as well. Yeah. Fantastic. So let's uh, let's move on to the defence then. So who is your favourite defence this week? Saints defence. Saints defence. So they've been on here before, I remember, against the Bucks. So what in particular do you like about the Saints defence? They had eight sacks, including Cameron, Jordan's, Cameron Jordan with three and two interceptions. Two interceptions. Defence were putting pressure on Matt Ryan. And Gurley did nothing with the ball. And he gave up 32 rushing yards. Actually, I think it's 52 rushing yards they gave up. But close. So, you imagine, obviously, the quality of the running game that, you know, the Falcons have like in Roshka. always good. Yeah. Usually. Yeah, Todd Gurley, normally, you know, he's always there getting either a touchdown or some sort of, you know, decent yardage. So, that, I mean, that 52 yards isn't just Gurley. That's like all the, I think, you know, we're talking about three or four players, you know, um, for the Falcons. They really struggled on offense and only to get nine points. I was expecting the Falcons to maybe even caught with a win because obviously Saints, you know, obviously without Drew Brees, but they've proven time and time again that, you know, defenses really, really important, aren't they? To yeah. helping win a, win a you know, win a game and yeah, it looks like obviously now the Saints are going to pull away in the NFC South and win that division. So yeah, they're looking scary and when Breeze us back, oh my word, you know, let's just see, you know, what happens there. But um, yeah, uh, good choices to be honest and, you know, really impressed with uh, your observations this week, Kira. And, and nice to see some new names on there. I mean, Herbert and Keenan Allen, um, 
names we've not had on before, so it's always good to see. Uh, are you looking forward to uh, this week's action? We've got Thanksgiving coming up. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, um, obviously, you've been watching the NFL, so probably two years now, right? Maybe one and a half to two years you've been watching the NFL, so you're not too used to Thanksgiving games because, number one, Daddy's normally at work on Thanksgiving, um, so I normally come home from work at 7 o'clock, so we'd only catch maybe one of the late, so the middle late game but obviously now with covid obviously we're working i'm working from home so we'll get the opportunity to watch at least a couple of games tomorrow um we've got houston um who are houston playing detroit lions they're playing at the Lions. who, who do you think is going to win now the two very teams have, have underwhelmed this season so who are you picking to win that game Lions. you think the Lions are going to win okay yeah. Do you think it's going to be a close game or, you know? It'll be a close game. Hmm. I'm not sure who's out for that. What, what if I told you Kenny Golladay might not be playing? Still, I think they'll win. You think they'll win? Just, yeah. Just about win. Yeah. And then we've also got... What's the other game? Okay, so this is an interesting one. We've got the um, Washington football team against the Cowboys. So both of them with very similar records with three wins each, I believe. So... Who are you going for this one? Andy Dalton's obviously back. They beat the Vikings last week. Washington obviously come off a win against the Bengals. Um, obviously, you know, shocked by that injury to uh, Joe Burrow. But who have you got winning between Washington and the Dallas Cowboys? Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, okay. Uh, how do you think that's going to go? Who do you think is going to be the key player in, in that Dallas team? I think it will be some of their like, wide receivers because they have a few good ones like Michael Gallup. CD Lamb, Mori Cooper as well. Yeah. yeah. CD Lamb, I think, had a really good touchdown uh, catch this week, just gone. So, yeah, uh, you're probably right. Uh, and obviously, with Dalton back, they might look better. And the last game we've got is the Ravens and the Steelers. So, um, obviously, Steelers are undefeated, but Ravens, you know, still very much uh, a powerhouse team in the AFC. So, who, who, are, you, who are you picking for that game? Steelers. You think Steelers are going to win again? Yeah. yeah. You, how, how, do you think it'll be close then, or? No, I don't think it'll be that close. No? I think it'll be like, Ravens will have like a 10 number, and the Steelers will have like a probably 3 number. 10. Okay, so you think you're going for a 20 point difference? Mm. Wow, and who do you think is going to be key in that? I think it will be Chase Claypool and James Connor. Mm. And they've got a good defence as well, haven't they? TJ mm. Watt. Do you think you'll get a few sacks in this week? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, there you have it then. So, Kira's predictions are Lions, Dallas and the Steelers. So, I'm sure Steel will be happy with that. So, yeah, that's it for this week. Um, if you want to, Kira, uh, please wish our listeners a, a very happy Thanksgiving, especially to those living in, in the US. Yeah. Have, have a happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic, guys. Thank you very much and happy Thanksgiving from all of us here. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for that, Kiru. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. So we shall start with my section um, and we're just going to go straight in. It was the New England and Houston Texans game. Um, Deshaun Watson and Watt leads Houston to 27-20 um, over New England. Uh, Deshaun Watson Two touchdown passes and score and run all came in the first half as the Texans, who are 3-7, built a 21-10 half-time lead. 
Um, Watson threw for 344 yards and accounted for three touchdowns when J.J. Watt defended a career-high four passes to lead the Houston Texans to a 27-20 win over the New England Patriots um, on Sunday. Watson's two touchdown passes and scoring run all came in the first half as the Texans 3-7 built that 21-10 halftime lead. Um, Watson and Houston's offense slowed down um, after that to allow the Patriots shoot 4-6 to get back into it, but a 46-yard field goal by Kami Fairburn extended the lead to 27-20 with about three and a half minutes left on the clock. Um, Houston's beleaguered defence sealed the victory with a stop after that. Um, Watt came in, he swatted down Cam Newton's pass on that third down and heavy pressure from Justin Reed uh, forced him to throw the ball away on fourth down to give the Texans the ball back. It is the first time since 2009 that the Patriots will have at least six losses in a regular season. Um, it's also the Texans' first win of the season against a team besides divisional rival Jacksonville Jaguars, um, and the Texans' win gave interim coach Romeo Crennel a rare victory by a former Bill Belichick assistant against his former boss. Um, Watt and Reed led the defence all game long, with Watt knocking down multiple passes and Reed getting his career sack and finishing with three tackles for losses and two quarterback hits. Um, the Texans' NFL worst run defence did actually a good job of limiting New England rushing. Um, they held the Patriots to 86-yard rushing after they entered the game averaging 161.1 yards a game. It was the first game in Houston's uh, with the roof open um, since November the 30th, 2014. I'll just double-check my notes there. Yes, it was November the 30th, 2014, on a nice day where the temperature was, you know, at 78 at kickoff. Uh, the crowd was limited to just 12,503 because, obviously, of COVID-19 restrictions. Um, Newton threw for 365 yards and a touchdown, but was limited to a season-low six-yard rushing. Um, New England got within 21-17 with about eight minutes left in the third quarter when Newton threw a 42-yard touchdown pass to Demary Bird, who finished with six cash, catches sorry, um, for 132 yards. Houston settled for a 36-yard field goal later in the third after Watson's pass on the third and three was too high for Kiki Kuti. Um, a 36-yard field goal by Nick Folk cut the lead to 24-20 with about seven and a half minutes left on the clock. Um, the Patriots led earlier after a nine-yard touchdown run by Damian Harris on the first possession. Um, Houston tied it up when Watson connected with Randall Cobb on a three-yard score later in the first uh, Brandon Cooks had a 44-yard reception earlier in that drive to set up the score. Um, New England led 10-7 after the field goal in the second quarter when Watson scrambled four yards for a touchdown, um, dragging two defenders into the end zone with him. Watson threw passes of 25 and 21 yards on consecutive plays to get the Texans to the, the four before scoring his scoring run. Uh, the Texans made it 21-10 when Watson threw a six-yard touchdown pass to Cootie just before halftime. Um, in this game, obviously, uh, running back for the New England Patriots, Rick Burkhead, he sustained a knee injury um, early in the third quarter and had to be helped off the field. He was later taken to the locker room on a cart um, on Houston's side. Um, Cobb injured a foot on the touchdown and didn't return. Wide receiver Kenny Stills injured a leg um, in the first half and he didn't return. Um, so the Patriots next will have the Cardinals and the Texans, obviously, um, have the Lions that's tonight. So we shall move straight on to 
my Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and as I'm going to say this, it's breaking that the Ravens do have players now that have tested positive for COVID-19. And that does include Lamar Jackson. So that's going to change the dynamics um, to the rescheduled game um, on Sunday that didn't take place, obviously, tonight for Thanksgiving um, Day. Um, but my Steelers, I mean, we dominate a really poor Jaguars, you know, 27-3, to obviously remain unbeaten now, 10-0. and um, Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick intercepted two passes each, and the Steelers absolutely blowed over the Jags to get to 10-0 and for the first time in our franchise history. Absolutely incredible the way this season's um, unfolded. Um, I know a lot of people saying that, obviously, the Steelers are playing poor teams and stuff, but you can only beat who's in front of you. You know, the Patriots have been had this for the last 20 years. Um, it's just nice, compared to last year, being an 8-8 eight eight team. Um, you know, and offensive label were terrible uh, with two very poor quarterbacks. Having Ben Roethlisberger coming back now and um, playing some of the best football he has done in the last decade. Um, and an offence that's firing all cylinders. You know, everyone's getting the ball now. The ball's getting spread out well. Um, you know, it's nice seeing Claypool really accelerating um, in the team. Um, it is, it's just such an exciting time to be a Steelers fan. I know that Suk will be like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 and everyone's getting sick of it, but the bubble will burst at some point, but why not enjoy it? It's been a horrible year, so I'm going to take it. Um, my Steelers' uh, defence gathered um, in the end zone after each turnover, four times in all, and posed for the cameras. Some of these celebrations were planned, some were candid, some were really cheesy. Um, I remember I was out in Pittsburgh last, in fact, exactly a year ago, Today, I went out to Pittsburgh with Paul Brown and Dan Davies. Um, and when I was at Hinesfield, it was the first time I'd actually seen um, the whole defence um, in the end zone doing the famous um, pose. Um, ben Roethlisberger and Cole gladly um, shared the spotlight during that 27-3 drubbing um, of the Jacksonville Jaguars um, on Sunday. And after all, it was the defence's latest and greatest performance um, of the season. Um, Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick intercepted two passes each and the Steelers steamrolled um, the Jags who are 1-9 and nine, and we obviously get to 10-0 for the first time in our history. It is just really, really amazing uh, to, to, to see this. Uh, rookie quarterback Jake Luton looked most of the day um, against the Blitz and Steelers um, who allowed 206 yards and finished with just two sacks and even though Bud Dupree and TG Watt dominated um, Jacksonville's offence tackles. Luton completed 16 of 37 passes for 151 yards with four interceptions and a couple more um, close calls. Uh, the turning point came late in the second quarter with Jacksonville uh, trailing 10-3 and driving for a potential try and touchdown. Former Jags defensive lineman uh, Tyson Aluli uh, tipped Luton's pass at the line of scrimmage. Fitzpatrick picked it off um, at the second and returned it 37 yards. Uh, Roethlisberger found Deontay Johnson down the left side. A few plays later, Johnson made a leaping, juggling, contested catch at the one, setting up Benny Snell's touchdown run. Um, it was the Steelers the rest of the way. Um, we started slow, um, you know, having to settle for field goals. Um, one made, one missed early, and weren't really sharp in the, the third quarter. But there were plenty effective... Um, I mean, we were really effective to just go ahead and beat Jacksonville. We just had far too much for them, which tied a single-season franchise record with its ninth consecutive loss. Um, owner Shad Khan fired then-coach Gus Bradley following his ninth straight loss um, in 2016. 
Um, the skid included another milestone. The Jags fell to 41-100 and in Cairns' nine-year tenure. He tied former New Orleans Saints owner uh, John Meekham Jr. as the second fastest to reach 100 losses. Can hit the dubious mark in 141 games. One more um, than Tampa Bay Buccaneers Sook owner Hugh Culverhouse. Um, Big Ben completed 32 of 46 passes for 267 yards. Um, with two touchdowns and an interception. And at the end of the first half, um, he found rookie Chase Claypool and veteran Eric Ebron for scores. Uh, Johnson finished with 12 catches for 111 yards. Uh, James Conner ran 13 times for 89 yards, showing some life um, as he's really struggling on the ground game at the moment. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster appeared uh, to tweak his foot while stepping on an official's yellow flag. Um, Smith-Schuster was jogging off the field in the fourth when he winced and started hobbling after his cleat landed funny on the way to part of the flag. Um, he got checked out on the sideline and did not return. Uh, Tomlin said it was just basically a minor injury, just a little niggle. Um, obviously, we have now extended uh, their sack streak to 67 consecutive games. Uh, Stephen Tewitt um, got to Luton for nine-yard loss on a third and 14 play in the third quarter. It was Pittsburgh's 37th sack of the season, which leads the NFL. Um, I mean, it's a story of 2020 um, when it comes to injuries. I mean, um, tight end Zach Gentry sustained a significant knee injury. Cornerback Joe Hayden suffered a minor knee injury. Um, on the Jags side of things, defensive end Josh Allen injured his left knee. Um, but he should be fine uh, for what I'm seeing. Cornerbacks Trey um, Hendon and Chris Claybrooks um, had a groin. And safety Daniel Thomas' arm left in the second half. Uh, Marone said Thomas will go on injured reserve. Uh, left guard Andrew Norwell really hurt his arm, was ruled out um, in the third. So what's up next? Everyone knows now that the game, obviously rescheduled, uh, was cancelled due to COVID uh, for Thanksgiving's Day. That's now being rescheduled to 6.15 this Sunday. Um, it's going to be interesting, you know, we, we overcame a 10-point halftime deficit to win the first meeting. 28-24 earlier this month. If Lamar Jackson obviously won't, he'll be um, in quarantine now for the next 10, 14 days. So we should win. We should win, and I think we will. Um, the Jags stay in the AFC North and host Cleveland um, on Sunday. Um, Jacksonville has won three straight in the series. So that's going to be an interesting watch. Andy Dalton's three touchdowns left the Cowboys past the Vikings, 31-28. Um, Dalton went 22 for 32 for 203 yards and one interception after Fullins, Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gill were started the previous two games. After missing the game to a concussion and COVID-19, Dalton directed a loving place 66-yard drive down the stretch that was extended with a fourth and sixth completion to a Manny Cooper at the 19 in the 31-28 win. Um, Chris Boyd, and no, we're not talking about um, Kilmarnock, Rangers and Scotland uh, international striker. We're talking about Chris Boyd from the NFL. <laughs> um, stepped in front of Schultz and nearly picked off a first and goal pass in the end zone, but Dalton delivered to his wide open tight end two plays later. That snapped a Vikings three-game winning streak and kept the Cowboys 3-7 alive and well in the lackluster NFC East. They're in a three-way tie for second place behind Philadelphia, who are 3-6-1. Um, dodging pressure all afternoon, uh, Kirk Cousins completed 22 of 30 passes for 314 yards and three touchdowns. 
to punctuate possession of 75, 81 and 85 yards to start the second half after the Vikings trailed 16-7 following a first half mark by two lost fumbles and six penalties for 60 yards. Adam Thielen caught the first two touchdowns, the first one with a sort of fallen down one-handed grab in the back corner um, of the end zone while being held by Cowboys cornerback Anthony Brown. Justin Jefferson had the third score, a 39-yarder that gave the Vikings the lead back after Tony Pollard's 42-yard touchdown run. Ezekiel Elliott reached his first 100-yard rushing game of the season and caught a touchdown pass. Uh, C.D. Lamb made a flat-on-his-back touchdown catch in the second quarter for the Cowboys. NFL leader Dalvin Cook had 115 rushing yards and a touchdown plus 45 receiving yards for the Vikings, who remained two games out of the final wildcard spot in ninth place. Minnesota's special team have been in disarray uh, this month with two block punts by Detroit and a kickoff return touchdown um, that allowed to Chicago long snapper Austin Cutting, whose low delivery in the last game led to a failed extra point and uh, was replaced by Andrew DiPaola. Vikings' mistakes persisted. Punt returner KG Osborne's fumble was recovered early in the first quarter, but punter Britton Colquitt, sorry, a 23-yard pass to Boyd for a first down on a second-quarter fake was wiped out by Boyd's illegal shift penalty. When they lined up again, Boyd was called for an illegal block above the waist, a rarity for a kicking team. On the brighter side, though, Eric Wilson blocked an extra point in the first quarter. Um, Andy Dalton returned behind a reshuffled offensive line with Joey Looney replacing the injured Tyler Bayadas um, at centre, uh, right guard Zach Martin taking over at right tackle for rookie Terrence Steele and Connor McGovern filling Martin's spot. The offence produced twice as many touchdowns at Minnesota as it had in the sort of four previous games without star quarterback Dak Prescott, but there were still serious questions. Instead of feeding Elliott, the Cowboys went big late in the second quarter from Vikings 38, Dalton threw deep for Michael Gallup and incomplete on third and one and wide of Cedric Wilson on the next play to give the ball up on downs. Um, so I takeaways on an injury side from the game. Uh, Brown, that was his ribs, left the game in the fourth quarter uh, with rookie cornerback Trevon Diggs um, bad with a foot. Um, he was on injured reserve. Uh, cornerback Chidobe Awuzi uh, groin uh, contravenely mean, returned um, to the starting lineup from a seven-game absence. Um, Vikings, Brett Jones replaced right guard Ezra Cleveland, that was ankle, becoming the fourth different starter at that position this season. Wow. Um, tight end Irvin Smith Jr. groin one game um, and cornerback Cameron Dantzler concussion two games, each returned from absence after being listed as questionable. Now, um, the pod will be going out obviously later this week due to technical issues, but um, the, the Cowboys host Washington um, on the Thursday night Thanksgiving game, which should be an interesting game. I will go Washington on that one. And the Vikings next host Carolina um, on the 29th, which should be a really good game. Kansas City Chiefs are absolutely box office, and what a game this was, guys. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming most of the listeners and you have, have seen this game. I mean, Mahomes hit Kelsey in the last minute as Chiefs edge um, the Raiders 35-31. Um, Patrick Mahomes threw a 22-yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey with 28 seconds to play, and the Kansas City Chiefs avenged their only loss in the last 12 minutes with a 35-31 victory over the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night. Patrick Mahomes passed for 348 yards and led two um, 
ahead scoring drives um, in the frantic fourth quarter for the defending Super Bowl champions who split their season series with Las Vegas 6-4 and four in dramatic fashion. In dramatic fashion it was. Um, Kelsey caught eight passes for 127 yards for the Chiefs who are 9-1 who are in firm control of the race for their fifth straight AFC West title. But only after another thrilling comeback led by their Super Bowl MVP who bounced back from his second interception of the season late in the first half. Um, the Raiders led 24-21 on Darren Waller's touchdown catch on the first play of the fourth quarter, but Mahomes led a 91-yard scoring drive midway through the period capped by Le'Veon Bell's first touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. Derek Carr and the Raiders replied with a crisp drive ending on Jason Witten's one-yard touchdown catch with a 1 minute 43 left on the clock. But the Chiefs' powerhouse offence needed only 75 seconds to go 75 yards. Seriously, 75 seconds to go 75 yards for another score, with Mahomes going 6 of 7 on the drive. Kelsey got open across the middle for a comfortable score. Daniel Sorensen then picked off um, a heave to midfield by Carr with 19 seconds left, and the Chiefs kneeled out their 18th win of the last 19 games since November the 10th, 2019. That's super impressive, guys. Um, Carr passed for 275 yards and three touchdowns and a strong performance, but the Raiders couldn't match their offensive excellence in their 40-32 win at Kansas City last month. The Chiefs have won five straight since that defeat. Nelson Aglor eh, also caught a touchdown and Josh Jacobs rushed for a score eh, for the Raiders who dropped to 2-3 and three at brand new Allegiant Stadium in their new hometown. Um, Tyreek Hill caught an early touchdown pass for the Chiefs and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire rushed for 69 yards and two touchdowns as the Kansas City Chiefs responded to a rare defeat and an inspired performance, not just inspirational. Um, these rivals' mutual distaste was obvious throughout the night with plenty of confrontations and yapping after the, the whistles. Kelsey and Jonathan Abram had you know, really active mouths. Um, I would love to see the mic'd up uh, version of that. Um, the Raiders capped their win in Kansas City uh, last month with a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium in their team buses and that sort of swaggering gesture that annoyed the Chiefs and coach Andy Reid, who improved to 19-3 after his bye week with payback victory. Um, Las Vegas defence hung in um, I mean, against that high-powered Chiefs, despite having nine players on the reserve COVID-19 list earlier this week, essentially preventing the defence from practising for its toughest opponent. Six of those players returned for the game, but the Raiders still played without starters um, Corey Littleton and Sleelan Ferrell. With two touchdowns apiece on their first two drives, both offences started even more impressively than they did in their first meeting, which was tied 24 all at half-time after 645 total combined yards. Um, Vegas opened the rematch with a 75-yard touchdown drive and Kansas City replied with an 85-yard match ending in Hill's short um, touchdown catch. Aguilar made an exceptional toe-tap 17-yard uh, touchdown catch, which I know Nate Burleson on Good Morning Football would be loving this one, to the end of the first quarter, but Edwards Hilaire first touchdown evened it again. Mahomes drove the Chiefs deep into Raiders territory right before half-time, but Trayvon Mullen snapped a pass intended for Demarcus Robinson to preserve Vegas' 17-14 lead. Mahomes had matched Drew Brees' NFL record by throwing 26 touchdown passes this season before his second interception. Um, Kansas City matched its lowest first half points total against the Raiders since Reid arrived in 2013, but the Chiefs calmly went 93 yards after half time. The drive was extended by an incredible one handed catch by Robinson and capped by Edwards Hilaire's 14 yard catch and a run touchdown. 
The Raiders responded again with Carr going 6 for 6 and finding Willer all, all alone for a third yard touchdown on the first step of the fourth quarter. Um, the Chiefs wide receiver Sammy Watkins didn't play due to two injuries. Um, big one coming up now for the Chiefs. Uh, they visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next Sunday, so it'll be really good to watch that game and get a bit of analysis from Sukdeep because I know that he's starting to get anxious right now. And the Raiders, um, they're off to Atlanta Falcons. Um, on Sunday. I think the Raiders should win that comfortably. But again, thank you so much for listening, guys. Sorry it's been a bit of a mishmash, mashup of a podcast. Um, we just had some really crazy technical difficulties um, while we were mid-recording, where we're getting kicked out of sessions, we couldn't upload sessions, we've been losing content on the app that we use, um, but everything seems to be back to normal now. So business will be resumed um, next Wednesday when the flagship show comes. The call show will be out on Wednesday as well um, and the Roger Goodgrove show will be out on Tuesday. Again, guys, I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Um, let's see what Sunday brings. Will the Steelers go 11-0? Who knows? But thank you. 